What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylar. So in this episode, I'm going to recap the Giants' big win from this past Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals. Ended up being a close game. The Giants needed a miraculous comeback in the second half to win that game. But nevertheless, the Giants got a win. I'll recap that game, and then I will preview tonight's Thursday night football matchup between the Giants and the San Francisco 49ers. The Giants will be on the road playing at San Francisco tonight, so I'll give a preview of that game at the end. So let's start off with the Giants' impressive comeback win to beat the Arizona Cardinals. It ends up being the Giants' first comeback win of 21-plus points since October 1939 when they did it versus the Chicago Cardinals. A 21-point comeback ties a franchise record for the New York Giants. A historic comeback for the Giants. The Giants actually had a 5% chance at one point of winning the game when they were down 28-14 to with under a minute to go in the third quarter. They ended up coming back, though, in winning with the final score being 31-28 New York Giants over the Arizona Cardinals. And even though the Giants should have won by much more, it's still impressive that they were to come back and win the game when they were down 20 to 0 at halftime. And they were down 28 to 7 with 9:34 left in the third quarter. So that's tough to come back from. It's tough to come back down 20 points at halftime. And this was the second week in a row that the Giants were getting blown out at halftime. 20 to nothing to Arizona this past weekend, and then last week in week 1 against Dallas, they were down 26 to 0 at halftime on Sunday night football. So it was two weeks in a row where the Giants were down big at halftime. And as I said, they were down 28 to 7 with 9.34 left in the third quarter this past weekend against Arizona. I'll take the win at the end of the day since a win is a win. And now we are 1 and 1. We even up our record. But the Giants should have never been down like that at halftime. 20 to nothing at halftime versus Arizona, a team that's actively tanking. And if you combine the first two quarters against Arizona and the first four quarters against the Cowboys, so the first six quarters of the season, the Giants were down 60 to nothing in the first six quarters of this season. 60 to 0. And to make matters worse, in the Giants' last three games, so dating back to their playoff loss against the Philadelphia Eagles in the divisional round last year, and then the first two weeks of this season, the Giants were down 28 to nothing to the Eagles at halftime in the divisional round, down 26 to nothing to Dallas at halftime on Sunday Night Football, and were down 20 to nothing to Arizona in week two. So 28 to nothing, 26 to nothing, and 20 to nothing, which adds up to the Giants being outscored 74 to zero. In the first half of their last three games, 74 to nothing. So the Giants have to find a way to start games better. Because if you put yourself in a hole that big to start a game down 20 to nothing to the Arizona Cardinals, you're not going to come back every week. Most weeks, you're not going to come back. That was a historic comeback for the Giants. Their first comeback win of 21 plus points since October of 1939. A 21 point comeback ties the Giants' franchise record. It's not going to be every week that you're down 21 points in the third quarter and you come back and win. It's very unlikely. It took a historic comeback for the Giants to win this game and avoid being 0-2 going into San Francisco tonight for a Thursday night game. That would have been devastating to be 0-2 at this point going into San Francisco on a Thursday night with so many injuries because there's a realistic chance that you could be 0-3 considering how good San Francisco is. But I'm getting my thoughts on that game at the end. But San Francisco is very good. Being 0-2 at this point would be devastating. Being 1-1 is much different. And I would say the biggest difference in records in the NFL is the difference between being 1-2 and and 0-3. If the Giants were 0-2 going into this game against San Francisco, there's a chance they're 0-3 leaving tonight, which it is going to be an uphill battle, no matter what, even with Saquon Barkley healthy and Andrew Thomas healthy. If those two guys were healthy, which they are both out of tonight's game for the Giants, that's obviously two big losses there, but if they were both healthy, it would still be an uphill battle for the Giants against this Niners team. But the difference between being 0-3 and 1-2 and is huge. Because if you're 1-2, it only takes one win to get back to 500. If you're 0-3, it takes three straight wins to get back to 500. So it benefits the Giants that where they currently stand, 
is 1-1. One one. Because if they were 0-2 going into tonight's game, being 0-3, leaving San Francisco would be devastating. They would have no choice but to win this game tonight. Which you obviously want to win every single game you play in. That doesn't mean the Giants, just because they're 1-1, one one, they're going to say, oh, we can lose this game tonight. Who cares? That's not the case. You want to win every single game, you line up and you play. But the reality is, there is somewhat of a relief leaving Arizona with a win and going into San Francisco with a 1-1 one one record. Because if you're 0-3 after the first three weeks of the season, it's very unlikely that you make the playoffs. But if you're 1-1, one one, now 1-2 one if you were to lose tonight, you still have a chance of making the playoffs. You just got to win week four and get yourself back to 500. And that's a goal of a lot of teams. When they started the season, let's say 0-2 like the Cincinnati Bengals, the goal is just to get back to 500 and restart your season. Win two games in a row, get a clean slate, and get yourself back on track. That's what you got to do. You got to just build wins and keep progressing week by week, going one game at a time. That's all you could do. You can't look too far down your schedule because in reality, every single game matters the same amount. Every game counts for one win or one loss or even one tie in a rare occasion. But every single game counts as the same amount of value. One win is one win whether you're playing San Francisco or you're playing Atlanta or you're playing Arizona. All of those games count as one win when you beat those teams. With that being said, though, it doesn't mean beating Arizona gives you the same confidence that beating San Francisco does. If you beat San Francisco, you're going to have so much more confidence in your team and have so much momentum rolling into next week than you would if you just beat the Arizona Cardinals. Beating Arizona, though, in the fashion the Giants did beat them on Sunday definitely gives the Giants some momentum heading into Santa Clara tonight for Thursday Night Football. But let me get back to this game against Arizona. So they were down 20 to nothing at halftime, right? The Giants looked so lost at halftime. They looked so dysfunctional, so lackadaisical. They looked like they didn't care at all. They looked like they did not care one bit. Everyone on Twitter was ripping Daniel Jones at halftime, ripping his contract, saying he stole from the Giants. And then Daniel Jones came out of the locker room with a fire that I've never seen him play with. He completely took over the game and was automatic, putting the Giants on his back and leading them to a monstrous comeback victory. Because if the Giants lose that game, it's devastating to be 0-2 and playing the Niners on a short week. Devastating. But Daniel Jones wasn't going to let that happen. He came out with fire in the second half and completely turned the game around. And he relied on play action very well. The Giants have to use play action to their advantage. And it's going to be different with Saquon Barkley hurt. Play action isn't going to be as easy for the defense to bite on. But in the second half of play action, Daniel Jones was 13-15 passing for 229 passing yards which ended up being the most passing yards he had in the game in his career off of play action. And he did that all in just one half against Arizona. He found Jalen Hyatt for two deep shots off play action. One of them that was underthrown. Could have been a touchdown if Daniel Jones didn't underthrow him. But regardless, it was a great pickup. That one ended up going to 58 yards right out of halftime, the first play from scrimmage. And then he found Hyatt for another 31-yard strike. So Hyatt in the game was two catches for 89 yards total with a 58-yard deep shot, which ended up being a big momentum swing for the Giants. And if you look at Hyatt on film, just pure speed, and he gets by the defensive backs so easily. Gets behind the secondary so easily. Maybe see if Daniel Jones takes a deep shot to Hyatt tonight. We'll see if he takes a shot downfield. The Giants are down in the game. It's going to be a screw, let's air it out, see what happens type of situation, just like the way Daniel Jones played against Arizona. The Giants were down big. They were willing to take risks, throwing the ball deep downfield because they said, okay, this game's already out of hand. We're down 20 to nothing at halftime. Let's just see what throwing downfield can give us. And that's what the case was. It's worth taking that risk when you're down by that much because the benefit outweighs the risk that much when you're down by that much at halftime. Because you're already down 20 to nothing. You might as well take a shot downfield. And we'll see what the Giants do tonight against San Francisco. One thing in that Arizona game, the offensive line did play better. Daniel Jones was pressured on just 23% of his dropbacks. K. 
compared to 55% against Dallas in week one. So the pass block win rate for the Giants was much better against Arizona. With that being said, Arizona's pass rush isn't like Dallas's pass rush. I know that. And it's not like San Francisco's pass rush either. San Francisco and Dallas have two of the best pass rushes in the NFL. In Micah Parsons and Nick Boza. So if you look at it, it's obviously much different going up against Arizona. But regardless, the Giants having a positive week on the offensive line is a high note and something to bring into week three as positive momentum. Josh Azudu started at left tackle without Andrew Thomas. He had an 89.7% pass block win rate, which is huge. Ben Bredesen got the start at left guard. He ended up getting hurt with concussion, unfortunately. So Mark Lewinsky, who got benched to start the game, ended up stepping in and winning 93.8% of his pass block snaps, which is huge. John Michael Schmitz, the Giants starting center, he's a rookie, struggled in week one. 100% of his pass block snaps, he won. A 100% pass block win rate, which is huge. Right guard Marcus McKeithen, 89.7% of the pass block snaps he won. And that was his first live action in the regular season in the NFL, and he was solid. And then right tackle Evan Neal improved heavily in week two. 93.1% of his pass block snaps he won, which is obviously much better than what he was doing in week one against Dallas. One thing that Neal did struggle with was penalties including a holding call that costed Daniel Jones a rushing touchdown. But he did look a lot better this week than last week, and I'll take that at the end of the day. And maybe this past week's game versus Arizona just proves how good Dallas's defensive line is and how good their pass rush is overall. Because if you look at it, the Giants' offensive line against Dallas really struggled. Then against Arizona, even with backups in there for Andrew Thomas and Ben Bredesen getting hurt, and obviously Mark Lewinsky getting benched, the offensive line looked a lot better in week two than it did in week one. So maybe just proves how good Dallas' defense is. In the second half, Daniel Jones threw for 259 yards off 17 of 21 passing with two passing touchdowns, no interceptions, a rushing touchdown, and no turnovers with eight rushing attempts for 58 rushing yards. No quarterback in NFL history ran for 50 rushing yards, passed for 250-plus passing yards, threw for multiple passing touchdowns, rushed for a touchdown, and had no turnovers in the second half of the game. No other quarterback in NFL history had all of those stats there. 250-plus passing yards, 50-plus rushing yards, threw for multiple passing touchdowns, rushed for a touchdown, and had no turnovers in the second half of the game in NFL history. Daniel Jones became the first quarterback ever to do so. And one thing that looked different in that second half, it looked like Brian Dable was calling plays for the Giants, which could have been the reason we turned things around in the second half. He was great being the play call for the Buffalo Bills when Josh Allen really turned things around. Brian Dable was a big reason that Josh Allen became the quarterback he did. And I think there is a chance he was calling plays. It looked like it on the sidelines, and there was a lot of speculation around it. I know Daniel Jones said in an interview a couple days ago that it was still Mike Kafka calling the plays, but it looked like Dable was calling the plays. And even if he wasn't, maybe he took over in the second half and was telling Mike Kafka, hey, I see this, I see that, maybe call this, maybe call that. Maybe it wasn't Dable every play, but it looked like there was a chance that he was calling plays for the entire second half. And that's all speculation. But if that were to be the case and he was calling plays in the second half, then he has to call plays again tonight versus the Niners. Because it worked on Sunday, and even though San Francisco is a better team, the Giants, with all the momentum they had on offense, you got to try to see if that works again, if Dable were to be the play caller. As I said, this is all speculation, but if that were to be the case, make Dable the play caller again tonight. And in that second half, the Giants were filled with big plays. Four pass plays of 25-plus yards, including six plays that were pass plays of 15-plus yards, with three plays of 15-plus yards from Darius Slayton, he had a big second half, 
And the Giants also had five runs of 10-plus yards, three of them being from Daniel Jones and two of them being from Saquon Barkley. Some huge runs from Saquon, huge runs from Daniel Jones, and really got the Giants back in the game. Daniel Jones had a third down play where he scrambled, avoided a tackle and got up the sidelines, got the angle and got a first down. A play that was, I think, third and 11, maybe third and 12. And Daniel Jones got the angle, got up the sidelines and got the first down and wasn't afraid of staying in bounds to try to get an extra yard. Daniel Jones is a tough quarterback. He takes a lot of big hits, and I'm sure tonight he'll get hit too because San Francisco is a great pass rush. But Daniel Jones is a very tough quarterback, and even though he doesn't get a lot of credit for it, he deserves it with the hits he's taken over the last couple of years being the Giants' starting quarterback. And if you compare that first half against Arizona to the second half, the Giants were two completely different teams. As I said, at halftime, it was devastating. It looked like the Giants' season was going down the drain. And I know it was only two games in. If the Giants were 0-2, it wouldn't be the end of the season. But it really would have been a tough battle to overcome. Being 0-2, playing San Francisco in a short week, potentially being 0-3, it would be devastating for the season to start like that. Especially losing to Arizona, a team that's actively tanking and trying to fight for the first overall pick in the 2024 draft. It would have been really hard for the Giants to climb over that hill. So at halftime, it was easy to be down. But my mentality at halftime was that there's still 15 games left after that game against Arizona. So meaning, there were still 60 quarters to get back on track and figure things out. So you couldn't give up on the whole season at that point. It's really hard to be 0-2 and obviously and make a season out of it and try to make a playoff spot. But in reality, the season isn't over when you're 0-2. So my mentality was this. Chip away, see what happens. And even if this game doesn't work out against Arizona, try to bounce back and figure things out. There's still a long season to go. And in that first half, the Giants were just awful. 76 total yards and zero points. Daniel Jones was 9-16 passing for 62 yards and an interception with one carry for one yard at halftime. Then he came out of the locker room, locked in, and led the Giants to an unreal comeback victory. In the first half, though, it wasn't Daniel Jones' fault. There were four drops on offense, the defense was struggling, and the offensive line was mixed together and shuffled because of all the injuries. And Daniel Jones did throw an interception in the first half, but it was off the hands of Saquon Buckley. So if you look at Daniel Jones' stat line, he has three interceptions on the year, but two of them were in the hands of Saquon Buckley, and both of them should have been caught. They were deflected, and both end up being picked. Off the hands of Saquon Buckley, deflected off his hands and into the hands of the defense. So two of three Daniel Jones interceptions this year were not on DJ, but it goes in the stat sheet as an interception. So if you just box score looking, you'd think Daniel Jones has had a bad start to the year with interceptions. But in reality, two of them should have been caught by Saquon Buckley. But in the second half, the Giants scored 31 points, five straight scoring drives, and 350 total yards on offense in the second half. So credit to the Giants offense for getting them back in the game, scoring points, and then credit to the defense as well. They got a couple big stops towards the end of the game and gave the Giants a chance to win the game, which ultimately ended up being the case. And one thing that this game proved to me, which I already knew, but it proved even more, was that Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback. He's capable of taking the game into his hands when the game's completely awry at halftime, things are going downwards quickly. You're 0-2 to start the year if you lose this game. And he came out of the locker room with determination and fire that I've never seen him play with. He was fired up and brought so much energy that was honestly truly unmatched, especially on the rushing touchdown he had that was taken away on an Evan Neal hold. That play there, Daniel Jones showed more fire than I've ever seen him play with. He was just electric in that second half. And he's capable of taking the game into his own hands and picking up every one of his teammates and the entire team 
when everything's going awry and everybody's struggling. He was capable of doing that in that game against Arizona. And as I've known for a long time, Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback. The defense did come alive in the second half, so credit to them. The first half defense was poor. Xavier McKinney had a poor tackle attempt on a Josh Dobbs rushing touchdown. That wasn't McKinney's best showing of the game. They definitely need more from him in tonight's game. The Giants' defense allowed a touchdown on the first drive of the second half. And then after that, they completely woke up and forced three straight punts. And then the Cardinals got the ball back one more time before the game ended. And they could not convert on a Hail Mary attempt on the last drive of the game. So the Giants end up winning the game with the defense forcing three straight punts and not giving up any points on that last drive to end the game. So that was four straight possessions for Arizona where the Giants defense held them scoreless. And one thing that didn't really show up for the Giants in that game was pass rush. Kayvon Thibodeau and Leonard Williams did not show up in this game. They were basically no-shows yet again. Daniel Jones had more tackles in this game than Kayvon Thibodeau and Leonard Williams combined. And that's honestly sad to see. That's sad to see. That's two of your best players on defense talent-wise. Leonard Williams is one of the highest-paid players in the NFL this season. And Kayvon Thibodeau was the fifth overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. And neither one of those guys showed up in Game 1 or Game 2 for the Giants. And as I said, Daniel Jones had more tackles in that game against Arizona than KT and Leonard Williams combined. Thibodeau and Williams had no tackles together. And Daniel Jones had one, which ended up coming on the tipped pass interception off Saquon Barkley's hands. Daniel Jones rushed down the field and made the tackle, preventing a pick six, which was obviously huge for the Giants, not trying to give up a pick six for the second week in a row. But zero tackles for Thibodeau and Leonard Williams, which is honestly definitely a worry in my eyes. Jason Pinnock did step up for the Giants of defense. He did miss maybe one tackle in this game, but he showed up when Xavier McKinney really didn't. Pinnock had 13 combined tackles and three tackles for a loss. He was great in this game. The Giants outscored Arizona 31-8 in the second half, and they had no option but to do that if they wanted to get a win and get themselves back to 500. And as I said, 1-1 one and 0-2 one and oh and are very different, just like 1-2 and two and 0-3 oh and three are very different as well. If you're 1-1, one and one, you can lose week 3 and be 1-2 and two and just need one more win to get yourself back to 500 and be 2-2. Two and two. If you're 0-2 oh and, and you lose week 3, 0-3 oh means you need 3 straight wins to get yourself back to 500. And that's obviously a tough task in today's NFL. And as I've noted now multiple times, if the Giants lose to Arizona and then they lose to San Francisco... They're 0-3, and their season is almost completely lost. Even though there still is a long way to go. There's still another 14 games after Week 3 is over. Being 0-3, especially in the NFC East, means you've got to really go on a run and really figure things out. Especially in a competitive NFC. The NFC is very competitive this year. There are seven undefeated teams in the NFC through Week 2. So heading into Week 3, there are seven teams that are 2-0 in the NFC. So being 0-3 would not be the best way to start the season, especially in the NFC this year. The Giants needed a fire under them to get back on track. And that's what happened in the second half. I know Arizona is actively tanking, as seen by their last few drives and their play calling and their penalties late in the game. But a win is a win at the end of the day. One issue with this game, though, on Sunday is that Saquon Barkley got hurt. He now has an ankle sprain that he suffered on the last drive of the game for the Giants, which ended up setting up Graham Gano's game-winning field goal. But Saquon Barkley will now be out tonight. And my guess is probably out two to three games. Even though in an interview a day or so ago now, Brian Dable said that Saquon Barkley could play tonight against San Francisco. I think that was just a smokescreen to get San Francisco to think that Saquon could play and maybe they have to game plan for him and not game plan for Gary Brightwell and Matt Breida. Which, obviously, it's a big loss against Saquon gone considering how good he looked in that game in the second half. He was huge for the Giants in the second half of that game. He finished the game with 17 carries for 63 yards and a touchdown. Also adding in six catches for 29 yards and a touchdown as well. Isaiah Hodgins was big in that game, four catches, 40 yards and a touchdown. Darius Slayton, three catches for 62 yards. I believe all of those came in the second half. 
And then Daniel Jones ran for 59 yards on his own. Nine carries, 59 yards, and a touchdown. And Darren Wallace, six catches for 76 yards. He's a guy to watch out for in tonight's game. But Saquon Barkley being out is tough. But there's one guy that I'm a big fan of in that Giants backfield now that I think could step up, and that's Gary Brightwell. Feed Gary Brightwell. That's all I got to say for tonight's game. He runs hard, he's shifting, he plays with a fire. He hits the hole very hard, and that's assuming the Giants are going to be able to block for him and give him some places to run. But he runs with a head full of steam. He gives it his all every single time he touches the ball. Every single time he's running with a full head of steam and is looking for a way to make you miss. I'm a big fan of Gary Brightwell, and I'm excited to see what he can do in tonight's game. He had a big tackle on the last kickoff of the game against Arizona to make sure Greg Dortch didn't get a big return to set up Arizona late in that game. Brightwell made a big tackle on special teams, and now he gets an opportunity to get more touches tonight, which overall in his NFL career, this is his third year in the NFL, he hasn't really had the opportunity to get many touches, considering Saquon was fully healthy last season, and then a couple years ago, he was really just a special teams guy. He got a couple touches at the end of last season in Week 18 against the Philadelphia Eagles when Saquon Barkley didn't play, but he really hasn't gotten many opportunities, and now I'm excited to see what he can do tonight because I'm a big fan of Brightwell, and I think he can do big things for this team. So now I'm going to preview tonight's game. Thursday Night Football, Giants at 49ers in Santa Clara, California. This game will be at 8.15 p.m. on Amazon Prime Video. I know a lot of people are giving the Giants no chance in this game. Even without the injuries, it would still be an uphill battle for the Giants because of how good the 49ers are and how deep they are in offense and defense. But you still have to play the game. You still have to play the game no matter what. You can't just look at the two rosters on paper and see all the Giants' injuries and say, yeah, the game's over, San Francisco wins. You never know if you can catch the 49ers by surprise. If they take the Giants lightly and see all the injuries and they're playing their first home game of the year, maybe they take the Giants lightly. With that being said, I think the Giants have the chance tonight to shock a lot of people. And I'm going to make the case that the Giants are going to shock a lot of people in tonight's game. And I think they're going to stick around in the game tonight. And I'm not going to make the prediction that they're going to win this game because when I do that, I feel like I jinx them sometimes. But I think they're going to be in this game and stick around all four quarters. And if you look at it online, 10 out of 10 experts on NFL.com have the Giants losing this game by at least a touchdown or more. And then if you look at Twitter and Instagram and every sports major network, whether it's ESPN, Fox Sports, CBS Sports, no one has given the Giants a prayer to win this game. But here's the thing. With people already thinking this game's over and thinking the 49ers already won this by 14-plus points, the Giants can play in this game pressure-free and exceed expectations just by being in this game and bringing some momentum into next week at home on Monday Night Football versus Seattle. The Giants, if they stay close to tonight's game, could use this game tonight as a building block for the rest of the season. And the Giants have had success historically versus San Francisco, including beating them in the 2011 NFC Championship game 20-17 in overtime. The Giants got a big win at Candlestick Park and sent themselves to the Super Bowl where they ended up going on to beat Tom Brady and the Patriots for the second time in four years. The Giants last played the 49ers in 2020, where the 49ers won that game 36-9 on the road against the New York Giants at MetLife Stadium. The Giants last beat them, though, in 2018, 27-23 on the road, and that was in the 2018 season, November 12th of 2018 on Monday Night Football. There are some key injuries in tonight's game, though, for the Giants. Saquon Barkley will be out with an ankle injury. They said he could have played in tonight's game potentially as a game-time decision, and then yesterday the Giants ended up ruling him out. I think that was really just to get the 49ers to think Saquon was going to play and have the game plan for him, but I think that was just a smokescreen. I think Saquon Barkley will end up missing probably two to three games. Starting left tackle Andrew Thomas will miss the second week in a row with a hamstring injury. That's a huge loss, but the Giants found a way to win on Sunday without him versus Arizona, and I know Arizona and San Francisco are very far apart in town and firepower, and obviously we're both teams are going to end up at the end of the season. San Francisco's fighting to win the Super Bowl, and Arizona's fighting for the first overall pick, 
But the Giants win on Sunday without Andrew Thomas was impressive. Considering how poor the Giants' offensive line looked in Week 1 versus Dallas, Week 1 was tough, but Week 2 was an improvement for the Giants' offensive line. Now they have a big task at hand trying to stop the 49ers' pass rush. Outside linebacker Aziz Ojolari will be out of tonight's game. He's been non-existent and injury-plagued. He is out of tonight's game with a hamstring injury. And then God Ben Bredesen, he has a concussion. Once again, another tough loss on the offensive line. Considering how good he looked last week before the injury, it's tough to lose another starting offensive lineman, especially against the 49ers defense. The Giants will have Wandale Robinson back in the lineup tonight. Second-year wide receiver who was a spark for the Giants in offense last year before tearing his ACL. And I think he's going to end up being the wide receiver too to Darius Slayton, who I think is the wide receiver one in this Giants offense. One way that you can beat the 49ers on offense is by throwing over the middle. And the Giants do love throwing the ball on in routes and on slants. And maybe that's a way the Giants pick apart the 49ers on defense tonight. If Daniel Jones does end up having the time to look downfield and throw. Look for Darren Waller to be a safety blanket for Daniel Jones over the middle. And also watch out, though, for 49ers linebacker Fred Warner. He's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. 19 tackles, two tackles for loss, and a sack on the year. The Giants definitely have to look out and see where he is on the field at all times. With Wanda Robinson being back, now that brings into question whether or not Sterling Shepard will be playing tonight. There is a chance Shepard could be a healthy scratch. Since he only played really 20% of snaps on offense in the first two games, and only has two targets in the first two games of the season. But I'll say this. If Sterling Shepard does play tonight, I think he scores a touchdown. The last time he played against the 49ers on the road was Monday Night Football in 2018, and he scored a touchdown in that game, a touchdown pass from Eli Manning, which ended up being a big score in that one. It was the game-winning touchdown, three-yard pass from Eli Manning to Sterling Shepard with 53 seconds left in the game. Giants win that one 27-23. Eli Manning honestly balled in this game. He was really picking apart San Francisco in this one. He had 188 passing yards, three touchdowns, no picks, got sacked once in this game, and it was 19-31 passing. Then you look at it, Odell Beckham Jr., he had quite a game. Four catches, 73 yards, and two touchdowns. Sterling Shepard, two catches, nine yards, and a touchdown in this one. We'll see if the Giants can find some magic on offense against San Francisco tonight. Hopefully they can. But San Francisco is going to be a tough game for the Giants considering all the injuries they have. But I'm not going to count the Giants out. I think they're going to keep it close. And I think if Sterling Shepard does play tonight, I think he scores a touchdown. As for the 49ers, they're dealing with a couple injuries as well. Wide receiver Brandon Ayuk is questionable for tonight's game with a shoulder injury. My guess is that he will sit out considering it's a short week, but we will see if he does end up sitting out. It would help the Giants on defense considering Ayuk as another weapon in that 49ers offense. And then on the other side of the ball, cornerback Ambry Thomas is questionable as well. Likely a game-time decision, just like Brandon Ayuk. So what's going to be the Giants' game plan for tonight's game? A lot of people are expecting the Giants to lose in tonight's game. Expecting them to lose big. But if the Giants were to be in tonight's game... A lot is going to be asked of Daniel Jones. He will have to put the Giants on his back for the second week in a row and be Superman if they want to stay close in this game. And I think he's very capable of it. Daniel Jones picked up the team in the second half versus Arizona after the Giants had six scoreless quarters in a row. And with the season dwindling in his hands, with potentially being 0-2 after the first two weeks, he delivered a monster comeback coming out of the tunnel after halftime and got the Giants a historic win and got them back to 500. Daniel Jones will have his hands full without Saquon Barkley, which is a big storyline heading into this game. Daniel Jones has struggled in his career without Saquon Barkley. It's going to be a big thing they're going to mention in tonight's game. But one thing with Daniel Jones is that he's been doubted his whole career as a Giants quarterback. Even at halftime last week versus Arizona, everybody was talking about the Giants going for Caleb Williams if they were 0-2 and saying how Daniel Jones robbed the New York Giants with that huge contract this past offseason. Four years, $160 million. And then Daniel Jones came out of the locker room and shut the haters down and completely silenced them. 
And once again, he's being doubted in tonight's game. People think he's going to struggle against the 49ers, which could be the case. The 49ers are very good, a very good defense. But in my eyes, I think Daniel Jones can go out there tonight and shock the world. I have all the confidence in the world in Daniel Jones. And as I said now many times in the podcast and on the radio show, Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback, no doubt in my mind. And another storyline in tonight's game will be Daniel Jones' record in primetime games. He's 1-10 in his career in primetime games with a 61% completion percentage, 12 passing touchdowns and 15 picks, and 199 passing yards per game on average. But I think that's a lazy storyline and a lazy narrative. Because a lot of those starts with Daniel Jones, he was on a very poor Giants team with Joe Judge as head coach, a bad offense coordinator, whether it was Jason Garrett or Freddie Kitchens, and an atrocious offensive line with average weapons at best. Really, besides last year, Daniel Jones wasn't really surrounded with much, especially coaching-wise. And even with weapons last year, Daniel Jones didn't really have the best weapons. And I don't think every quarterback in the NFL is going to have perfect weapons and a perfect offensive line and a great coach and a great offensive system. But Daniel Jones, over his career, really has been shorted of all of those things. And that's why I give Daniel Jones some slack when I look at what he's had to deal with over the years. He had Joe Judge as his head coach, Pat Shermer as his head coach, bad offensive coordinators, poor offensive lines, and average weapons at best. So I don't really weigh Daniel Jones' record in primetime games too much on him. Because I think it's really a narrative of what the team was around him. Not a narrative of Daniel Jones under the bright lights. And that's why I don't think quarterbacks should be labeled with win and loss records. I really don't. Since a lot of the time it does take a full team to win a game. I know on Sunday, Daniel Jones did take the offense under his wing and really took over the game and put them on his back. But the defense stepped up in the second half as well. It takes a team to win a game. From the offensive line to the defensive line to the receivers to the running backs to the cornerbacks to the safeties to the linebackers, it takes a team to win the game. And I didn't mention special teams. Kick returners, punt returners, kickers, punters, long snappers, they all play a fair share of the game as well. Even though special teams isn't as big of an important part of the game like offense and defense, having a bad punt, a blocked field goal, or a big 55-yard field goal for the win, those can all pick up a team or break a team. So it really is a team game in the NFL. So I don't really blame quarterbacks for the win-loss records. I don't. But one thing people are going to mention in tonight's game on the broadcast is Daniel Jones' numbers with Saquon Barkley in the field and his numbers without Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones in his career with Saquon Barkley, he's a 59 quarterback rating with 229 passing yards per game, 46 passing touchdowns with 20 interceptions with a 90.4 passer rating. Daniel Jones without Saquon Barkley, a 48 quarterback rating, 198 passing yards per game, 16 passing touchdowns and 17 interceptions, and a 77.3 passer rating. So Daniel Jones' numbers are better than Saquon Barkley out there, but I don't really like how the narrative is Daniel Jones isn't good unless Saquon Barkley's on the field. Because in reality, a lot of the time, quarterbacks have it easier passing the ball when they have a star running back in the backfield because it opens up holes. The defense has to keep their eyes on the running back at all times. Saquon Barkley is very dangerous. So the defense has to game plan for him every time he is on the field in every single snap. Make sure Saquon Barkley is not going on a wheel route. Make sure Saquon's not dipping to the outside. The defense always has to keep their eyes on Saquon Barkley when he's on the field. But that doesn't mean Saquon Barkley makes Daniel Jones a quarterback he is. Because in reality, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that have it easier when their running back is as special in as talented as Saquon Barkley. It opens up the entire field considering the defense has to bite on play action. When you don't have Saquon Barkley out there and you're running play action with, let's say, Devontae Freeman, the defense doesn't have to bite as much because it's not Saquon Barkley. And I think Daniel Jones will prove some people wrong about that tonight. 
I think he's very capable of performing without Saquon Barkley out there. The numbers may say he has 16 touchdowns or 17 interceptions when Saquon Barkley's not there. But you also got to consider what Daniel Jones has had around him. Let's say when Saquon Barkley's not on the field, Daniel Jones doesn't really have much around him besides Saquon Barkley in that offense. He really hasn't had that in his career. Really has never had a great offensive line. Never really has had that great of weapons. Considering Kenny Galladay was signed in 2020 to be that guy and he never was for the Giants on offense. It's tough for Daniel Jones to perform when he really hasn't had much around him. And that's why Saquon Barkley's dependent on a lot in this offense. Considering Daniel Jones never really ha- has had the best weapons around him. And that's why the Giants offense relies on Saquon Barkley a lot. Because he was drafted with the second overall pick in the 2018 draft to be a game-changing player for the offense and the quarterback and make it easier on them. And that's why Daniel Jones needs Saquon Barkley out there a lot of the time. Because it's definitely easier to make plays when you're Saquon Barkley on the field. But when he's not out there, you still have to go out there and make plays. And that's why I think Daniel Jones is capable of doing that tonight with Gary Brightwell. And I'm excited to see what they can do. The Giants offense will be rolling with the same offensive line they had in the second half versus Arizona on Sunday. It'll be Josh Azudu probably at left tackle. At left guard will be Mark Lewinsky. At center, John Michael Schmitz. Right guard, Marcus McKeithen. And right tackle, Evan Neal. And one thing I think the Giants should use is probably quick routes in order to get the ball out of Daniel Jones' hands quick so he doesn't really take too many hits. I think Daniel Jones should take some shots downfield, but definitely use some of the ground in the middle of the field. Considering the Niners can be beat over the middle, maybe throw... 15-yard post over the middle of the field. The 49ers are allowing 248 passing yards per game, which is 23rd in the NFL. So you can definitely beat them over the middle in the pass game. And that stat can be a little misleading since the 49ers are often up in games, especially in the first two games of the year. The last game against the Rams was closer than week one against Pittsburgh. But since they're up in a lot of games, the quarterbacks on the other team have to pass the ball since they're down a lot. They can't really use the run anymore. So people neglect the run and stop throwing the ball. And that's why they probably have given up 248 passing yards per game. But with that being said, I think Daniel Jones is capable of throwing 250, 275, maybe 300 passing yards in this game. I really do think he's capable of that. Evan Neal will be matching up against Nick Bozer in this game. That's going to be a big challenge for Neal at right tackle. But if he holds Bozer to, let's say, three or four pressures, which is still a lot, that would still be a W in my eyes. Considering how good Nick Bozer is and how much Evan Neal has struggled in his first 15 games or so in his NFL career, it would be a great way for Neal to build confidence if he has a good game against Nick Bozer who has four quarterback hits in the first two games of the season. The Giants' running backs are going to be Matt Breida, Gary Brightwell, and Eric Gray. Matt Breida will be the starter. Former 49er had 10 touchdowns in three years with San Francisco. And then Gary Brightwell will be the lead backup. 33 carries for 150 yards and a touchdown in his career, averaging 4.5 yards per carry. Also adding in eight catches for 51 yards in the receiving game as well in his career. I'm a big fan of Gary Brightwell. He can be very good in the receiving game. No career drops, which is obviously huge. And then in the run game, he runs very hard, as I said. And I've said for a long time now that he deserves more touches. And I think he's going to show why tonight. If he gets, let's say, 10 touches in this game, I think he's capable of, let's say, 8 carries or 32 yards and a rushing touchdown. If the Giants get that opportunity in the red zone, which I think they will, I think Brightwood will score a touchdown tonight's game. And I think he's also capable of adding in two catches or 20 yards. He's going to be sharing touches with Matt Breeder and maybe Eric Gray as well. So it's going to be hard for him to dominate the backfield and get more than, let's say, 10 touches. But if I were in the Giants coaching room, I would say Brightwell should get at least 15 touches in this game. Because I think he should get about eight touches a game, even if Saquon Barkley's healthy. Because I think Saquon Barkley needs his workload to be lightened. You need to lessen his workload so he doesn't burn out and there's less chances at injury. But the injury he suffered on Sunday, that wasn't really something you could avoid. He was just trying to run out the clock, try to get a first down to move the Giants closer in field goal range, and he ends up getting hurt, unfortunately. And now is out, at least this week, on Thursday Night Football. And then the third running back for the Giants will be rookie Eric Gray out of Oklahoma. He's expected to get some touches, too. 
He looked pretty good in the preseason, but he has never touched the ball in a regular season game in the NFL. Played in the preseason, has not played in any of the first two games of the season for the Giants. So don't really expect him to get too many carries tonight, but I think he could be in the mix, maybe get a few. But I think Brightwell should be the lead back. Even though Breeder is a starter, Brightwell should be the lead back in my eyes. Another thing the Giants need, as far as game planning goes, is they need to figure out a way to get something out of Leonard Williams and Kayvon Thibodeau. Leonard Williams on the year has just two tackles and one pressure in the first two games of the season. And Thibodeau has no tackles and one pressure in the first two games of the year. Both guys have been non-existent for this Giants defensive line. Zero sacks for the Giants last week versus Josh Dobbs in the Arizona Cardinals. 31 pass attempts by Dobbs and the Giants had zero sacks. And I do blame Leonard Williams and Kayvon Thibodeau for that considering neither one has shown up in game one or game two for the Giants. They need to get something out of those two guys. And it's a great opportunity tonight on primetime TV to get themselves back on track and break out. Kayvon Thibodeau is very capable of getting around the edge and forcing a strip sack. But he has to do it. He has to figure out a way to do it. The Giants on the season have zero sacks with zero interceptions and zero fumble recoveries. They're the only team in the NFL to have none of the three. No sacks, no interceptions, and no fumble recoveries. Make something happen on defense early in this game and apply pressure to San Francisco. Make them feel the pressure. Something Brock Purdy hasn't had to deal with as a starter for the 49ers, is making a comeback, really. He only has one fourth-quarter comeback in his career and one game-winning drive, both of those coming in the 2022 season. He has one fourth-quarter comeback in his career and one game-winning drive. So it's very rare for Brock Purdy to have to make a big play late in a game for them to win a game. It's rare, considering how good the 49ers are. They typically have at least a touchdown or so lead, and they run the ball late in games. Purdy hasn't been asked to do too much for them to win games. He hasn't been. San Francisco is often up with a comfortable lead late in games. And as a result, they run the ball a ton in those situations. So Purdy has never really been tested to make a big throw late in the game or master comeback, let's say like Daniel Jones had to do against Arizona on Sunday. And part of the reason is Brock Purdy has so much around him. So much around him. A prime left tackle, unreal skill position players, George Kittle at tight end, Christian McCaffrey at running back, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel at wide receiver. And then the defense is loaded, and the offensive system is very quarterback-friendly. Purdy never really has to throw into tight coverage or throw the ball deep in big situations because they're often up with a comfortable lead late in games where they can at least run the ball in those situations, and he doesn't really have to be tested late in the game to make a big play. And so that's one thing I want the Giants to do in this game. At least make it tough on Purdy. Apply pressure because a lot of the time he's been with the 49ers as a starting quarterback from last year to this year, he's been comfortable. Whether it's with a comfortable lead, comfortable weapons, comfortable skill position players, and he's always throwing into easier windows. He never really has to throw into tight windows and make a big play. And that's not really doubting Brock Purdy too much. I'm not trying to put him down and say he's not a good quarterback. He's found a way to be successful in that offense, but he does have a lot around him to help him succeed. And part of the reason is because of that offensive system that's very quarterback-friendly for Kyle Shannon's offensive system, and then also they very good skill position players. But I want to see the Giants apply pressure to Brock Purdy tonight and make him make a big play. And in that case, if the Giants are making him make a big play late in the game, that's a win on its own because the Giants would be in this game late in the fourth quarter, let's say, and nobody's expecting them to be in that position. No one is. Another player the Giants need something out of tonight is Dexter Lawrence. And he's played well this season for the Giants, but they need him to dominate in the trenches in tonight's game if they want to stay close. They need him to put pressure on Brock Purdy and make it hard on Christian McCaffrey to run the ball since he's been running crazy so far to start the season. They need Dexter Lawrence to put up numbers like he did against Minnesota in the playoffs last year, where he had six tackles, a tackle for a loss, and four quarterback hits. 
Hopefully he can find a way to do that again. Overall, the Giants' defense needs to be better in tonight's game. If you put pressure on the quarterback, the pass defense and the run defense both benefit and become better as a whole. Josh Dobbs last week, the Cardinals quarterback, had a passing touchdown, 228 passing yards, and a 99.9 passer rating. The Giants need to find a way to be better in the pass defense and the run defense as well. Xavier McKinney needs to show up. He was missing tackles last week, and he's a captain for this Giants team. He needs to be better out there. He really does. Dan Duggan of The Athletic pointed out this stat. Brock Purdy is 9 for 10 passing for 152 passing yards on passes over the middle between 10 to 20 yards. He has only four pass attempts outside the numbers in that range on the season. He's 9 of 10 with 152 passing yards on passes over the middle between 10 and 20 yards downfield. Brock Purdy has only four pass attempts outside the numbers in that range on the season. The Giants have to find a way to force Brock Purdy to make throws outside the numbers. They need to make him uncomfortable, and they also need to tackle well in this game, which has been an issue for them so far in the season. The Giants have to find a way to cover George Kittle over the middle, and that's one thing the Giants have struggled with over the years. Covering tight ends over the middle has been a huge issue for the Giants' defense over the last decade. And the Giants' run defense needs to be better as well. They allowed 106 rushing yards and 4.6 yards per carry and a rushing touchdown last week to James Conner. The defensive line needs to wreak havoc in the trenches, and they need to try to hold Christian McCaffrey to under 100 yards. That's going to be a big game plan for the Giants on defense. And I know it names a lot of things. They need to stop Brock Purdy, force him to make throws outside the numbers, keep Christian McCaffrey under 100 yards, force Brock Purdy to make a mistake. I named a lot of things there that need to go right for the Giants, and that just shows it's an uphill battle for the Giants defensively. But Wink Martindale loves putting pressure on the quarterback, and I'm sure he'd love for Leonard Williams and Kayvon Thibodeau to really break out tonight in a big primetime game against the 49ers, a game that nobody has given the Giants a chance. Now I'm going to switch over and talk about the 49ers and where I think their game plan is going to go. One thing that's really important for that 49ers team is how good left tackle Trent Williams is. He's a beast. One of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. But if you look at that 49ers offensive line from left guard to right tackle, they can be beat. That's probably their biggest weakness as a team. Right tackle Colton McKivitz and right guard Spencer Buford they both can be exploited. And that's if Leonard Williams and Kayvon Thibodeau can wake up and make something happen tonight on the defensive line. Buford gave up four pressures in week one versus Pittsburgh, and McKivitz gave up five pressures in that same week versus Pittsburgh as well in week one. But then last week, Purdy was sacked just one time in 25 pass attempts versus the LA Rams in week two. But he was pressured on 43% of his dropbacks. The Giants need to find a way to put consistent pressure on Brock Purdy. That's asking a lot. The 49ers offensive line from left guard to right tackle can be beaten. That's the biggest weakness as a team is left guard to right tackle. And one thing the 49ers do well is they make the game easier on Brock Purdy. And as I've mentioned now multiple times, he never has to make too many big throws since they have a great run game. Never really has to throw the ball deep downfield. He never really has to close out too many games considering how good their run game is and they're often up in the fourth quarter. They have an elite defense and have a quarterback-friendly offensive system. And that's why I question Brock Purdy. He's found a way to be successful in the NFL, so credit to him for that, especially considering he was the last pick in the NFL draft and found a way to become the starting quarterback for the 49ers last season. But he's never been asked to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. That's never really the game plan for him. He's never forced to do that because of how good their run game is. And if you look at what's around him, he has a prime left tackle, an elite running back, the best gadget player in the NFL in Debo Samuel, a top tight end, and one of the best second wide receiver options in the NFL in Brandon Ayuk. 
and arguably the best defense in the NFL with the most quarterback-friendly offensive system. Brock Purdy in his career is 7-0 as a starter. He's the first quarterback ever with a passer rating of 90 or higher in each of his first seven career starts in the NFL. And if he wins tonight, he would be 8-0, which would be the third most consecutive wins by a quarterback to begin a career since 1970. But part of the game is easier on him because of how good Christian McCaffrey is. 268 rushing yards on the season, which is most in the NFL, and he has 11 straight games with a touchdown. He has scored in every game since week 13 of the 2022 NFL season. And if he scores tonight, he would become just the fifth player since 1990 to score a touchdown in 12 straight games. Last week versus the LA Rams, he had 20 carries for 116 yards and 5.8 yards per carry with a rushing touchdown. He has had at least 115 rushing yards in both games this season. So the Giants have to find a way to limit Christian McCaffrey. If the Giants hold him to, let's say, under 100 yards, that would be a win. That would be huge for the Giants' run defense. And maybe we'll see some Elijah Mitchell now that he's healthy. He'll probably get some carries as well. So that could maybe take away from Christian McCaffrey. But McCaffrey's been great this season. The 49ers are averaging 174 rushing yards per game. And one thing the 49ers love to do is get their players the ball with open space. They love getting their skill players the ball with open space. Like D-Bill Samuel on a screen or on a jet sweep, Christian McCaffrey in an out route, or on a toss. They love getting those players the ball with some room on the outside. They love that. So that's one thing the Giants are going to have to watch out for in tonight's game. Another thing is that the 49ers defensive line is great. They're allowing just 65 rushing yards per game. And the Giants' run offense has been very good. They're averaging 117.5 rushing yards per game on the ground, which is great. But that obviously includes Saquon Barkley being healthy. The Giants have averaged just about 118 yards per game on the ground, but that's with Saquon Barkley fully healthy and Daniel Jones running the ball as well as he did last week. But I do have faith in Gary Brightwell. I do have faith in him. So now, what are my predictions for tonight's game? One thing is that the Giants need to find a way to apply pressure on the 49ers early in the game and make them sweat. Maybe run an option play early in the game with Daniel Jones, and if he takes it off for 25 yards, maybe that could give the Giants' offense some confidence early in the game because one thing the Giants are going to have a problem with is moving the ball versus the 49ers, at least gaining momentum, let's say. If they pass the ball well, that's obviously going to move the ball downfield, but they're going to need to run the ball at some points too. And maybe Daniel Jones needs about 50 rushing yards in this game to keep the Giants in it. If the Giants want to win this game, what do they need to do? For one, Daniel Jones has to have at least 300-plus passing yards, I'd say, with maybe 50 yards on the ground. I'd say Daniel Jones needs to combine for 350-plus yards between passing and running. And that's asking for a lot. And he probably needs to throw a couple touchdowns as well and maybe have at most one turnover in this game. But Daniel Jones has been playing pretty well on the road in his last two starts. He has two straight road starts with 300-plus passing yards. And he has a 90 passer rating or better in two of three Thursday night football starts in his career. They're going to need him to have a big game in tonight's game if the Giants are in this one. The Giants' defense needs to hold Christian McCaffrey to under 100 yards. And they need to force a turnover of Brock Purdy. If he turns it over, I'd love it to be a Kayvon Thibodeau strip sack. Ignite a fire under him and get him back on track. The Giants need that. I'd even love for it to be a Jason Pinnock interception. It doesn't really matter how the Giants get the turnover, but they need to find a way to force the 49ers to turn the ball over in this game. Whether it's an interception, a fumble, a muffed punt, the Giants need to catch a break on defense or on special teams in this game. Brock Purdy has fumbled the ball this season. Three fumbles this year. He hasn't thrown an interception, though. So the Giants probably have a better chance beating them with a strip sack than they do getting an interception. But I'm not really doubting the Giants' pass defense. Deontay Banks, Trey Hawkins, they've looked good. And I love Adoree Jackson as well. They need to find a way to force a turnover. 
And the Giants need Kayvon Thibodeau and Landon Williams to show up, as I've said. They need probably six combined pressures between those two guys and at least a sec. And even then, it's still probably not enough for the Giants to get in this game and win. But it would be progress considering how poor Leonard Williams and Kayvon Thibodeau have looked in the first two games of the season. They need those two guys to show up in a big way for the Giants to win this game or even stay close in this game. If the Giants don't win, I'd love for them to stay close towards the end and keep it respectable. The Giants' offensive line needs to give Daniel Jones some time to make plays. And with that being said, the Giants need Evan Neal to hold Nick Boza to, I'd say, three pressures, maybe four pressures at most. And that's still a lot of pressures. But considering how good Nick Boza is, three or four pressures would be an improvement for Evan Neal versus Nick Boza, considering how poor Evan Neal was week one versus Micah Parsons in the Dallas Cowboys defense. The issue is, though, is that the Giants have to figure out a way to score points because the 49ers find a way to move the ball rather easily. And the problem is that the 49ers have so many weapons on defense, including Javon Hargrove, a defensive lineman they got from the Eagles in free agency, who has four tackles on the season with two quarterback hits and a sack. Dre Greenlaw has 17 tackles on the year with a tackle for a loss. They also have Fred Warner at linebacker. He's great. Ambry Thomas, a starting cornerback for them, could be out of tonight's game. That could obviously help the Giants' pass game, but we'll see what happens there. But the 49ers' defense is really good, and it's headlined by Nick Boza, who's a game-wrecking player on defense. The Giants need to find a way to limit him and make it easier on Daniel Jones. DJ is going to get hit a good amount tonight considering how good the 49ers pass rush is. But Daniel Jones was already pressured 55% of his dropbacks in week one versus Dallas. So he's used to getting hit and being pressured. So that's not going to be something he's not used to. But he's going to need to find a way to put this Giants team in his back and have a heroic game for the Giants to be in this one. But I have all the confidence in the world in Daniel Jones. I have all the confidence in the world in him. The Giants defense needs to find a way to tackle well. Because the 49ers love screen plays to Debo Samuel. They love jet sweeps to wide receivers. And they often use Christian McCaffrey in a variety of ways. Whether it's in the slot and he's running routes. Whether it's a toss play. Whether it's a wheel route. They love finding ways to get their skill plays the ball with open space. So the Giants have to find a way to tackle well in this one. Since they struggled with that last week versus Arizona. And another thing I've mentioned now a million times. I sound like a broken record. They need to find a way to pressure Brock Purdy. That's a must in this game. Brock Purdy in three career home starts, he has eight touchdowns, seven of them being passing and a rushing touchdown with one interception. So only one interception in three career home starts. If the Giants get a turnover in tonight's game, that would be huge. If the Giants find a way to force a turnover of Brock Purdy in tonight's game, that would be huge. For the Giants offense, they need to limit turnovers. On the season, the Giants have a minus four turnover differential. San Francisco has a plus three turnover differential. San Francisco on the season, six sacks. The Giants have zero. The Giants need to find a way to get pressure tonight and maybe give up two to three sacks at most, and that's asking for a lot. If they want to win this game, I'd say two to three sacks at most, maybe four tops, and that's still trying to ask for a lot for that Giants offensive line. Only four sacks with backups at two starting positions on the offensive line against that 49ers pass rush, that's still asking for a lot, only giving up four sacks. And it's going to be difficult to limit them in their pass rush, especially considering the Giants offensive line is injury-plagued. But they found a way to win last week's game and found a way to give Daniel Jones time in that one. And hopefully tonight they can do the same. And as I've mentioned now multiple times, I know the 49ers in Arizona are very far off in where they both are talent-wise. The Giants' defense needs to hold San Francisco to, I'd say, around 24 points at most if they want to win this game. San Francisco's giving up just 15 points per game in the first two of the season while scoring 30 points per game on offense. The Giants' offense is averaging 15.5 points per game since they scored zero in week one against Dallas, and they're giving up 34 points per game on defense. 
So the Giants need to find a way to be better defensively and on offense. And one guy the Giants need to have a big game is Gary Brightwell. And it could be Matt Breida who gets the most touches, but I think Gary Brightwell should get the most touches out of that running back room with Saquon Barkley Hart. If Gary Brightwell gets 10 touches in this game, I think he's capable of, let's say, 50 total yards and a touchdown. And I think he does score in tonight's game. He's a shifty back who runs hard, he's tough to bring down, and he's an absolute baller who runs with a full head of steam every single time he touches the ball. And I think he's going to have a surprise to people in tonight's game. People are acting like this 49ers team is going up against a 2017 0-16 Cleveland Browns team. But the Giants, I think, have an opportunity to surprise people tonight and keep it around a one-score game. At least for the majority of it, keep it around a one-score game. And that may be wishful thinking. But I think the Giants are capable of shocking the world. And maybe it's because of my love for this Giants team and how much I am annoyed at listening to everybody on the internet and everybody on sports networks saying that the Giants have no shot in this one. Nobody's given the Giants a chance in this one. But genuinely, I do believe the Giants can catch the 49ers by surprise and make it a game tonight. And I think there's a chance that the Giants have the ball late in the game with a chance to win. I really do. And maybe that's wishful thinking at the end of the day. But I think with Daniel Jones as your quarterback and how well he played in that second half versus Arizona and how he was on a mission and capable of picking up everybody around him and making them all better, I saw that in that game, that heroic run by Daniel Jones in the second half. And I know it was against Arizona. I know they're not close to San Francisco, especially how good they are defensively, San Francisco. But I believe in Daniel Jones, and I think he's capable of a big game tonight. I really do. With all that being said, though, and I've mentioned this now multiple times, probably in the last minute, nobody's giving the Giants a chance in this one. So they have an opportunity to shock the world tonight. 99% of fans on NFL Pick Watch pick San Francisco to win this one. And every expert at ESPN, like Dan Graziano, picked the 49ers to win this one. It wasn't just Graziano. CBS sports writers, Pete Briscoe and others, had the 49ers winning this one. And USA Today, everybody there had the 49ers winning this one, including Nate Davis as well. Everybody at San Francisco winning this game. Now, I understand why. The Giants are injury-plagued. They almost lost to Arizona. They were scoreless for the first six quarters of the season. So they really struggled to score the ball. And obviously, Saquon Barkley's hurt. Andrew Thomas is hurt. Aziz Ojolari's hurt. Ben Bredesen's hurt. The Giants have a lot of injuries, and they're going to San Francisco in a short week, playing against one of the best teams in the NFL from top to bottom, whether it's offense, defense, coaching. They're really good San Francisco. So I understand why people are picking them in this game. But nobody's given the Giants even a chance to be close in this one. And I think the Giants are capable of keeping it close. And I think this game is capable of being a building game for the Giants. It can be a building game, confidence-wise, for the rest of the season, and can build some momentum and confidence for the Giants heading into Week 4 at home on Monday Night Football versus Seattle. Hang around and fight and keep it close. And I wouldn't be surprised if things go completely awry and the Giants get blown out in this game because that's how good San Francisco is. They are capable of doing that, especially with the Giants' injuries. But for some reason... I think the Giants are going to be close in this one, and I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. I really do believe they have the opportunity to surprise people in this game, and I think they're capable of it. And I wasn't going to give a score prediction because I feel like I could jinx them with a score prediction, and I do think the Giants could win this game, but that's not going to be my prediction because if I pick them to win it, I definitely think I would jinx them. But I'm going to go with this. San Francisco wins this game 27-23. The Giants will keep it close. It could be a one-score game for a lot of the game, and I think the Giants can keep it close with the fourth quarter being a one-score game, the Giants have an opportunity late in the game. I really do think that could be the case. And if I pick the Giants to win this game, I feel like I would jinx them, so I'm not going to let that happen. But I would not be surprised if the Giants are in this game late. I think Daniel Jones, Brian Dable, and the rest of the Giants squad are all capable of finding a game plan to keep the Giants in this game. 
But people are talking about this game online like it's this 49ers team going up against the 0-16 2017 Cleveland Browns team. I've never seen it before. I've never seen a game where people are thinking it's going to be a two-touchdown game no matter what the outcome is. Nobody's giving the Giants even a chance to stay close in this one. And I feel like this is the first time I've seen that in a long time where people are giving the other team zero chance. Usually there's an expert or two that think it'll be a close game down to the wire, but that's not really the case here. Nobody thinks the Giants can even keep it close. And that's why this could be a building game for the Giants. If they find a way to keep it close late in the game, even in the second half, keeping it maybe a 10-point game at most for most of the second half, that could be a building block for the rest of the season. Because the Giants have overexceeded expectations for this game if they keep it close late in the fourth quarter. But my mentality for this Giants team is hang around and fight and be resilient. If they give up an early touchdown, they have to respond on offense. If the Giants go down by two scores early, it could be a tough one. They have to find a way to battle on offense, get some points early in the game, get some momentum, enforce some turnovers, force a sack, try to make a big play on defense. Because if the Giants go down early in this one, let's say 14-0 early, the offense isn't getting going and there's a couple three and outs, it could get ugly just like that Dallas game did. But I don't think that's the case here. The Giants found something in that second half versus Arizona on offense, and Daniel Jones is untouchable in that second half. And I know the Giants don't have Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas, but they need to find a way to get Isaiah Hodgins, Paris Campbell, Wanda Robinson, Darren Waller, Gary Brightwell, Matt Breida, the ball with open space and give them the opportunity to make big plays. Another guy that mentioned there was Jalen Hyatt. He probably needs to have a big 45, 50-yard catch in this game to swing momentum for the Giants on offense. The Giants need a lot from Daniel Jones in this game if they want to stay close. And if Daniel Jones struggles in this one, and let's say he gets sacked six times and has, let's say, 185 passing yards with an interception and a fumble and maybe one touchdown, people are going to talk tomorrow morning and say Daniel Jones was awful. He was absolutely awful. But people are looking at this game right now before the game starts and are giving Daniel Jones and the Giants offense and the Giants as a whole no chance in this game to stay close. So if Daniel Jones struggles in this game, that's in line with what people are expecting of him in this game. But he's still going to be ripped to shreds tomorrow morning on NFL Network and on ESPN and on FS1 if he does struggle in this one. He's going to be criticized no matter what he does in this game if the Giants lose. That's just realistic. And people are expecting Daniel Jones to struggle. And as I said, if he does struggle in this game, like people are thinking he's going to, a lot of experts are expecting the Giants' offense to really struggle to move the ball. That would only be validated what people are expecting for this game. But they're still going to talk tomorrow morning and say Daniel Jones was absolutely awful and he's not a franchise quarterback and all that. And his contract was an absolute steal and a robbery by Daniel Jones from the Giants. That's what a lot of people are going to say. That Daniel Jones robbed the Giants if he does struggle in this game. But people aren't expecting anything of him. So it's a lose-lose for Daniel Jones. Because if he struggles, people are going to say he did awful in this game and he's not a franchise quarterback. Considering how many injuries the Giants have, people aren't really expecting the Giants to have a big game on offense. But as I've said now, if Daniel Jones struggles, he's going to get blamed. So we'll see what happens in tonight's game, but I am confident that the Giants keep this one close. I really am. Anyways, that will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one. Enjoy the game, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.